They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. Awe came upon everyone because many wonders and signs were being done by the apostles. All who believed were together and had all things in common. They would sell their possessions and goods and distribute the proceeds to all as any had need. Day by day, as they spent much time together in the temple, they broke bread at home and ate their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having the goodwill of all the people. And day by day, the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. May this be to us a word from the Lord. Hello and welcome to the Lectio Cascadia podcast. My name is Brandon Rhodes, and I'm glad you're here. Thank you, as always, to Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com for the music, this theme being for the special season of Easter, where we remember the resurrection of Christ in all the weird senses of that memory. So I, I live down the hill from an extinct volcano in the middle of, the, of Chinook land, now occupied by the United States. But before it was inhabited by the Chinook people, this land was formed by forces inconceivable to most of those who now live here. And to most eyes, Chinook or not, you wouldn't know about what shaped this place. But if you garden here, you've got a very clear clue of that past with every shovel of soil you raise and turn. See, if you squat down to a shovel of soil here, you'll find a lot of rocks. Rocks and gravel. It's good soil, really good. Um, but it's mixed with a mind-boggling amount of just shovel-denting root-routing rocks. Now, usually, a lot of rock and gravel is how you know where a river used to be. Uh, further south of me is where the Willamette River flows through farmland, and at each turn in the river... Each abrupt bend, gravel would berm up against the soil as the flow slowed and steered. Elsewhere, you'll find boulder and rock patterns that were produced by glaciers, which are vast, frozen rivers, slowly scraping their names in the mountainsides and then carrying the debris in their walls as frozen feral flotsam to leave further down the way. Here in, the Sh in Chinook land, at the confluence of two great rivers, we live and move and have our being on both sorts of sediment, gravel from river water and near rocks laying to rest by slabs of ice. But the weird thing is, these rocks are like, they are not from near here. The glacial ice that brought them here was a thousand miles away in the land now called Montana. And the gravel, and even the soil so saturated with that gravel, much of it came from upstream. And like, not just a few miles. It too, man, it's crazy. It came from the scablands of the eastern portions of the area we now call Washington. For those of you not from the Cascadia from this area. <laughs> it's, it's a little ways away. 
uh, hundreds of miles. The land on which I stand is heavy laden with the memories of old waters, great forces of water from far away. We call it the Missoula Floods. So what we've learned is over 40 times, many thousands of years ago, during several ice ages, an ice dam would break in Montana, releasing like this vast lake behind it. So, like there was a glacier, and behind it wasn't White Walkers, it was a huge, huge lake. And all of it would flood downriver. The waters were, like, they were just stuffed with debris. Uh, chunks of that glacial dam, uh, which were in turn carrying boulders from that land. And as, it, as the waters flowed over eastern Washington, they scoured the soil, ripped it off of the bedrock there. And then westward uh, along the Columbia River, the, this huge wall of water created this jaw-dropping. Uh, Columbia River Gorge, where rolling rainforests coming down from a volcano, a different one than the one up the street from me, just in the rivers in that rolling rainforest, they just abruptly plunge hundreds of feet down to the shores of the Columbia. Their cliffs, all that, formed by these Missoula floods. It deepened channels wherever they went. Now, the, the hundreds of feet high wall of water and trees and soil and iceberg and rock and boulder all ripped over the land on which I now live. Whatever contours the area uh, had before these things are overlain with everything that was in that flood water. As much of the water um, splashed against the area's westernmost hills, going from east to west, splashes into that western wall, uh, a lot of the water went... Uh, took a right turn, went north, up, out towards the river, uh, towards the ocean. But then a bunch of it splashed left, splashed south, bringing these boulders in its waves all the way to the middle of the area we call Oregon near a town called Eugene. So you pull up, uh, and to be clear, that's 100 miles away, um, <laughs> 100 miles south. So even after it hit the wall of the West Hills, it still went 100 miles perpendicular. That's how much force was in these waters. And if you pull up a soil core from this valley, you'll see the soil is deposited in these like alternating chevrons, hashing one way and then back the other. As the water, as the water deposited Washington's soil and Montana's boulders <laughs> uh, during the southward flooding, bouncing off the end of the valley, and then slowly draining back north out to the Pacific Ocean. Time and time again, the soil chevrons back and forth and back and forth. The fertility of that valley has Washington to thank. But some of the water that didn't roll south swirled around where I live. So deep, in fact, it was over 200 feet above where I sit speaking this now. And as the water churned towards the ocean, the gravel deposited by its initial pass over the area got a second blanketing from this outbound water. The shape of the land on which I live was formed by at least 40 of these events. The contours of all that I assume and explore and commute over 
was formed by this amazing past. The winding of the roads, I get to see anything. <laughs> uh, the miniature basin and range pattern of the hills. Um, uh, as, as you get closer to the river, the Great Alameda Ridge in northeast Portland, and so many more things that shape this place. They're all as they are because of these ancient Missoula floods, the memories of which you can find, yeah, in one rocky spadeful of soil from my own front yard. It's a pattern and a shape to all that we know. A memory that has been just largely forgotten, opaque. Like, not just forgotten, we just didn't know it to begin with, but it, the pattern is clearly there. You look at a topographical map, a geologist can tell you the story with each little curve. See, one spade of soil remembers. Every time you deeply water your garden, saturating it, it's a microcosm of the memory of that place, the past living in the present, whether you know it or not. Now, 2000, the 2,000 years of beautiful tradition from Jesus to Paul Hewson carries its own deep memories. Some of these patterns go so far back beyond, back beyond Jesus to the founders of his tribe, Moses and Deborah and Abraham and Sarah, that we forgot. We, f- we forgot how they came to take that shape in the first place. We just go, oh, isn't that nice and neat? <laughs> They're just the ripples on the relief map of why we do what we do. Singing this song, using these words, telling that story, listening to that person. Generations have trod these ruts and ridges of the Jesus tradition for so long, the power that gave them shape were lost. The Missoula memories, beneath its caked clay, largely now forgotten. We walk through the groves of old ways, unaware. But we feel the sacred patterns of the old ways in this one passage. This one passage is a spade of soil from an earlier time. The living teaching of those who knew the wild, tender, radical heart of Jesus of Nazareth intimately have been lost under the accretions of floppy moral binaries, imperial idolatries, fetishization of the office above the relationship. The open-ended nature of the calling of those sent by Jesus into the wider world beyond their provincial trappings, and the wisdom of these boundary breakers, learning from the sent ones, are buried beneath title and power and preciousness. Yet we feel their sacred pattern in this one passage. The economically scandalous attitude of a real-life jubilee, of a redistribution of all things, of a canceling of poverty, of hoarding belonging, instead of belongings. The lavish ecology of care and abundance of the early Jesus movement reduced to sweet sentiments beneath the sediment of stewardship classes and fund balance reports and capitalist capitulation. 
yet we feel their sacred pattern in this one passage. The memory of Jesus' people enjoying food together daily, letting the simplicity of bread and shared presence express an energy of love and kindness that was reflected back to them by their neighbors, drowned in shitty coffee shared in a church lobby behind a moat of parking spots, hiding their warmth from their neighbors and reinforcing their fears of most. Yet we feel this sacred pattern in this one passage. The inflow of new co-conspirators in the Jesus way, new redistributors, new bread breakers happening out of response to seeing the Jesus story lived around tables of generosity and boundary breaking. It's all registered now as a dull incline beneath silly sales pitches of heavenward tickets and saccharine Sunday spectacle, yet we feel their sacred pattern in this one passage. What you feel in your bones as you indwell and extend the old stories with love, patience, and courage, the non-anxious memories of world-transforming floods of divine life eons ago, it's what brims in one tiny spadeful of sacred scripture. See, it's not that complicated. Receiving the best of the past of this Jesus way, extend it together with sacrificial justice, ever-widening belonging, and neighborly joy, and always with food. And you're going to get some hop-ons. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it's that simple. I can get pretty nerdy on some episodes here, right? <laughs> but it all really is that elegant. Like an old guide once taught me, the more complicated my theology gets, the simpler my faith becomes. May it be so among you and yours. May your week ahead be filled with curiosity and wonder, gratitude and laughter, courage and presence, and may the peace of Christ be with you. Thank you.